Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Preparis, and I have two guests joining me this week. This week's episode is brought to you by J. Ren Fitness. J. Ren Fitness is now the official trainer of the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team. You may remember Jared, because I just had him on an episode, it was like two episodes ago, talking about off-season training. He provides training plans to from everyone from the open wave racer through the, you know, the parent or uh, you know, family member just trying to lose weight, all the way up to the pro-level OCR athlete. And speaking of J-Run Fitness, we have the owner of J-Run Fitness on the show. Jared, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. And in, in addition to Jared, we have Luke Labonte. Luke is a registered dietitian with his MS in nutrition and certifications in personal training and wellness coaching. Uh, Luke hones his professional skills through counseling <coughs> athletes, fitness enthusiasts, through his career as a clinical dietitian at East Carolina University. As a member of the Strength and Speed Developmental Team, his main hobby is competitive obstacle course racing, and he's been at the OCR World Championships 2014 through 2017 now, and he also has a 50-mile completion at World's Toughest Mudder, and we'll throw give a shout-out to his face, social media links at the end of the show. So, Luke, welcome to the show. Yeah, pleasure to be here, man. Cool. So, we kind of threw this episode together last minute. Um, we were planning on doing a longer episode <coughs> with Luke, which we will get to probably in December at some point. But the breaking news this morning, as of when we were recording this, is Wednesday, November 22nd, was one of the athletes from the OCR World Championships failed a drug test. Right, And this is huge news for our sport. One, because it's the first time anyone from our sport has openly failed a drug test. Um, OCR World Championships, up until this year, was the only race that regularly tested people. Right, So they tested them every year since 2014. Uh, yep at the World Championship event. Uh, Spartan Race this year, after you know saying they were going to test people for about three years now, finally actually tested some people this past year. So I just want to... If you haven't read the article on OCR World Championships main page, I would check that out. So I'm going to give you a quick, brief synopsis of it, and then we're going to get into <coughs> kind of talking about it, right? So uh, the athlete that was disqualified was Ryan Woods. He finished third in the 15K. He was also on the winning... Uh, pro men's team, right? Which means he's now lost his placement in the three in the 15k, and also lost his placement. His team is now disqualified, right? So they everyone got bumped up a position. The so the kind of the uh, I'm going to read his statement uh, word for word based off the website. So real quick. So I'm in a state of shock and disgust. I would like to say I had no intention of taking a banned substance, nor would I knowingly compete in an event with water testing using banned, while using banned substance. With that said, I understand that I am responsible for what I put into my body. I took a supplemental purchase at a grocery store called DHEA, which is a banned substance on the WADA, World Anti-Doping Agency list. In my mind, I thought I was purchasing DHA, which is omega-3s. I had ample opportunity to correct this mistake by simply looking at the label or going to a WADA website, but I never did. Instead, I packed it away with my vitamins, took all took it all weekend at the OCR World Championships. I'm in. I'm ashamed and embarrassed in my current situation of my own doing. I'd like to apologize to my friends Ryan Atkins and Hunter McIntyre. They were the teammates for the uh, pro, co- 
pro men's team that won. I've let you guys down. I have robbed you of an incredible moment. I hope one day you guys can forgive me, even though I know I will never forgive myself. I would like to apologize to Adrian Bihanada, the owner of OCR World Championships, for putting him in his event, an event I love in this situation. I praise him, though, for his work for a drug-free sport, and despite my current circumstances, I hope efforts for a drug-free sport only grow. I apologize to anyone and everyone affected directly or indire- indirectly affected by my actions. So there's you got you got a kind of quick rundown of the situation if you weren't tracking it. Um, also, if you haven't listened to Matt B. Davis's Obstacle Racing Media podcast, he actually interviews Ryan this morning, uh, which I thought was uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But I thought I mean the fact that he he was willing to go on air and, and talk about it, I think is a, was a you know good on both sides, right? Uh, Matt for reaching out and Ryan for willingly willingly coming on the show to talk about it. <clears throat> before we, I know I'm doing a long intro here. We'll get to we'll get to the discussion in a minute. But before we get to that, I just kind of wanted to set the tone. So first off, I understand this is someone's life we're talking about, right? So the reason we're discussing this topic is we, we're not trying to drag him through the dirt or anything like that. We just want to educate you, the listener, on you know the topic of. Um, so I'm hoping this is an intellectual kind of discussion uh, and not a witch hunt and, or simply trashing someone's name. If you read the news this morning and you started off your post with, you know, I believe you or I don't believe you, like right off the bat, like take a minute and let's reassess. And that's what we're going to do here. So um, we're going to try to put our some of our, you know, preconceived uh, gut reactions we had when we read or heard about the news aside and try to discuss it like adults. Um, kind of moving forward some more. That being said, I like Ryan. I think he's a great dude. Uh, we say hi to each other at every event. Uh, I wouldn't say we're close friends, but I mean, I, I, we know each other by first name. And, you know, he, we passed me several times during World's Toughest Motor, and he, he said hi. I have nothing but good things to say about him uh, prior to this morning. Um, if I was making a list of people who I suspected were cheating... I would put him very low on the list, right? Like, if, if you took the top 10 people from OCR World Championships or Spartan Race World Championships, stuff like that, you know, and I had to guess who was going to be the one um, that tested positive, he would be near the bottom, if not the bottom. Uh, also being said, we don't know what people do behind closed doors, right? So kind of the extreme examples I have from work are I had a, one of my friends at work you know, last or two years ago, uh, ends up getting in trouble for spousal abuse, right? Like, totally didn't see that coming, never showed any sort of anger issues at work. You just don't know. Uh, the There's also, like, IFBB pros, right? So professional bodybuilders. There's a professional bodybuilder called Mark Dugdale. Very religious guy, always talking about religion, but very clearly takes lots of anabolic steroids, right? Like, I mean, the guy's huge, right? He, He's like five foot tall and like 215 pounds, but super Christian, right? Like unbelievably Christian. Like you can look at his DVDs. You know, he goes and speaks about Christianity and he wakes up every morning and reads the Bible and at the same time is injecting himself with steroids. Um, Another example, Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong has probably done more for cancer awareness and cancer research probably than any other single person on the planet. Um, I'd actually need to look that up, but, you know, no one can deny the amount of good things Lance Armstrong did for through his charity Live Strong. But at the same time, it's very obvious now since he admitted it multiple times, right? He's 
he was doping through his professional cycling career. All right. Um, so, like I said, we're going to try to use facts and um, discuss this as adults. Uh, first things first, uh, he's guilty of doping, right? There's no, there's no gray area there. There's no, there's no, there's a, it's a black and white. He failed a drug test, admitted to taking a banned substance. So really the question is, is it accidental or purposeful? Um, so we're going to use some critical thinking analysis and see if we can deduce if it's accidental or purposeful. Plus we want to educate <laughs> you, the listener, on doping, DHEA, and World Anti-Doping Agency. All right, so let's start off with the big question. Some people had never heard of this substance before this morning. So, you know, whichever one of you guys wants to take it, you know, what is DHEA? You know, Luke, okay. Would you like me to take this, or do you want to pick it up? Oh. All right. So DHEA, a really long word with a lot of syllables. <laughs> so dehydroepiandrosterone. Um, generally, DHEA is a naturally occurring hormone in the body. Um, it's flexible in very many uses, depending on the situation, but generally it's converted in excess into testosterone or estrogen, your sex hormones. So WADA, it classifies it as, a lot more long words, endogenous, anabolic, androgenic, steroids consumed exogenously. What does this mean? Essentially just means, hey, this is an anabolic substance that occurs naturally in our body, and someone is consuming it via food or via supplement or just consumed outside the body in excess. Um, it's popularly used inside of your middle-aged geriatric populations for these anti-aging qualities. That's, you know, research is all theoretical and it's kind of inconclusive at this time. But I guess you can say it's quite popular in the athletes, especially, you know, like Evan mentioned, the bodybuilding community is very big on this, and I have a lot of experience working with bodybuilders. But essentially, it's not very reliable, but it can lead to performance improvements. Um, mechanisms include increases inside of your IGF-1 or your insulin-like growth factor 1, your growth hormone, improvements in insulin sensitivity, increased production of nitric oxide or your NO, um, improved production of endorphins during exercise. So essentially the combination of these factors may lead to a more favorable body composition for an athlete, so more muscle mass, less fat mass, and then through the NO endorphins, of course, improved exercise performance. Um, would you like me to get more into uh, why individuals should or should not take this? Um, All right. Let's circle back around to that in a little bit. All right, so that's DHEA. That's what he was, you know, charged with, and that's what he admitted to taking accidentally, uh, according to him. So now what is DHA? Mm -hmm. Would you like me to take this one as well? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so DHA, another one of those lovely long words. All these syllables, man. Docosahexanoic acid, um, like you had mentioned earlier, of course it's omega-3 fatty acid, commonly found in eggs, your fatty fish, um, breast milk, aller that, not allergies, but algae. Um, and it's most variably taken alongside EPA or the accompanying omega-3 fatty acid commonly found in fish oil. Um, there's also another plant-based omega-3 ALA, but I won't sidetrack our conversation. 
Um, but of course, this is a very helpful supplement that's found in natural foods. Um, I won't talk too much about the benefits now, but you know, on, they're kind of like two different substances on different sides of the spectrum. You have DHEA, which is potentially unhelpful for you, and then DHA, which is helpful in nearly every population studied. Gotcha. So, where where can people not encouraging people to go buy these things? DHEA, right? But for example, where can you buy DHEA? Like everywhere. And so I've talked about it in some of my articles in the past and taking pictures in Walmart of DHEA, you can literally just – like it's not even behind a glass door, right? You can go up. You can physically pick up the container. You can look at it, and you can walk up to the counter and buy it. No ID needed, nothing, right? It's just laying out there. No one would know any better. So I saw a couple of I saw a couple of the Facebook comments and they're like, you know, what elites are shopping for supplements at Walmart? They should know better. Anyone anyone want to take that one? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. Um, it's is it going to be your best quality supplement? Maybe not, but you know, this is not the cheapest sport to uh, be active in. So. Yeah, you can if you can get it for cheaper somewhere. Why not? Now, that being said, do your own research, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, there's, there's you can there's still decent supplements that are on on the shelf at Walmart or Walgreens or whatever your local uh, vitamin shop is. You don't have to go to DNC just to get just to pay their extra prices for the same stuff. Super overpriced, Gene. It will be a cooler-looking bottle, though. Say what? It will be a cooler-looking bottle, though, from Gene. Oh, heck yeah. Those nature-made <laughs> bottles are boring. <laughs> so I, I think the first thing I want to address there, right, is do elite shop at Walmart? And the answer is yes. L- like, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> We're all normal people. I buy my chicken breast from Walmart, right? I do, right? <laughs> do I buy supplements from Walmart? I don't because I have a supplement sponsor. So I order them directly from Hammer Nutrition. So that's why I don't buy supplements from Walmart. Have I bought supplements from Walmart in the past? Yes, I have, because they're cheap, just like their chicken breasts, right? <laughs> so the, all, everyone who's like, ah, oh, how dare you shop at Walmart? Like, let's let's hold up a second, right? Like, the elites of OCR are flying in the same planes that you're flying in. They're staying at the same shitty hotels. They're getting the same shitty rental cars. You know, like these people who think that there's somehow this like billion dollar you know like industry of athletes um in our sport is just i mean it's just preposterous right so all right moving forward right so dhea dha spelled very similar uh very different substances they they could and um people have posted pictures of them being next to each other at the you know at walmart um (laughs) that being said let's say Let's say, all right, you see the two packages. One of them, DHA, is going to say something like heart health on it. DHEA is going to say something like testosterone support or uh, may have something about anti-aging on there or something like that. So let's say Lib- – <coughs> go, go for it, Luke. What are you going to say? <coughs> Libido. Libido. Right. That, that's, yeah. a key, that's a key word. <laughs> that should be queuing you off. So let's say you, you picked up the wrong container, refused to read it, um, and you go home. And you put your supplements. You, you start emptying your supplements or your your pills onto the counter. Uh, what 
what basically what do the two supplements look like and what would someone notice? <laughs> well, I'll let Jared take this one. See, <laughs> talking about it a little bit earlier, it was very well put. So, you know, like we like we've all seen today on social media, you do a quick uh, search, and your DHEA is going to be either a tablet or a powder-filled capsule where your uh, DHA is going to be, like Luke was talking about, is going to be a fish oil-based most of the time once you're getting the uh, plant-based. But So it's going to be a much different-looking capsule, even if it's you know the capsule and the uh, liquid gel that your DHA is going to be in. One's going to be full of liquid and be kind of golden. The other one's going to be a capsule or a tablet and be full of powder. Dead giveaway in my book. <laughs> I would I would agree with that. Um, and if you've been taking DHA in the past, and you're used to, you would notice you no- right away. Yeah. Notice, <laughs> like what is this? Right, yeah. It, it, it looks one of them looks like Tylenol, and the other one looks like vitamin E. For those of you who take just take vitamins, right? Yeah. Okay. So next question. Um, and we kind of touched on this already, but like, does DHEA, you know, the the substance you got banned for, does it work? Does it does it have anabolic effects? I know, Luke, you kind of touched on it already. Just rehash that real quick. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of it is theoretical, and right now it's unreliable. Like in some circumstances, and the keyword some circumstances, um, it may increase free testosterone if in the right, I guess you could say hormonal situation, um, but it may not always. You know, it's very case-by-case, person-by-person, and there are definitely some medical implications where it would be favorable and would help improve some of these symptoms. You know, like let's say someone had low testosterone or low estrogen, they would see benefit from taking this, or maybe if they even had something like erectile dysfunction, you know, there's some um, research in that area indicating that. Um, but, like, one thing I will point out is a lot of people are like, oh, like, is just doing this because it's performance enhancing or because they don't want us to get better, they don't want us to get fitter, or blah, blah, blah. But it's also health, too. Like, if is like, hey, this is something that may increase performance and it's probably going to, you know, harm you in some way, we're not really going to let that happen. Yeah, so what I've read in the past was WADA has three criteria when they ban a substance. Uh, one, it has performance enhancing benefits. Two, it poses a health risk to the athletes. And then three, it's against the spirit of the sport, which that third one is very, I mean, very nebulous, right? I mean, you can, very subjective. Yeah, that's what I wrote a book for. Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of the big three that Wadi uses to assess substances. Substances. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe DHA, DHEA works, maybe it doesn't. In my opinion, and some others can chime in afterwards, it doesn't matter whether it works or not. It's on the banned list. It's against the rules, period, right? Like, I don't go and argue, you know, like, you know, whatever the rule, whatever the rule, all right, you can't hit the bell with your feet, you know, like, you know, I, that's the rules, period. You know, it's whether you agree with it or not, it doesn't matter at this point, right? Because that's the rules they put out. Um, DHEA is banned, so... Whether you agree with WADA, you think WADA is too aggressive, or you don't think they're aggressive enough, it doesn't matter. 
that's the standard. That's like the gold standard for drug testing and drug enforcement. That's what everyone uses. That's what the Olympics use. That's what uh, everyone, everyone wants to legitimize their sport or you know claim a clean sport. That's what they reference, uh, World Anti-Doping Agency. I'll also say this. If you're a competitive athlete, your goal is to improve. And the first time I heard this term, I think it was from Lance Armstrong. It's called marginal gains, right? If I can do 100 <laughs> things that improve me, you know, 0.1%, when I add those all up, it's going to have a significant impact, right? So if I can take a substance that makes me recover maybe just a little bit faster, right? Just a tiny bit. And I repeat that, and I repeat that over weeks, and I repeat that over months, and I repeat that over years. Now I have a significant advantage over someone who was doing the exact same training as me who was not taking that substance. <clears throat> I would agree with that. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, any other, Anything else you want, just want to throw in on that kind of topic? Well, kind of on those marginal gains that you're talking about, um, like if you look even at nitric oxide and some of the studies done with that, um, now granted that's obviously beet juice, that sort of stuff you can buy over-the-counter tablets for NO. Mm -hmm. um, but like with that, it's obviously been backed by a lot of science saying it's, it's very helpful. But when you put it in studies that are looking at numbers and statistics, it will say, you know, no statistical value, no, uh, not statistically significant and throughout those big science uh, terms like that because, you know, it's not meeting the certain pr uh, threshold of making anybody better performance-wise. Mm -hmm. But when you actually look at the test, kind of like you are just saying, Evan, you know, I think the uh, example I, I saw last was in rowers. You know, it was maybe only a five-second difference per 100 meters or something like that. But over a 500-meter course, that's 20, 25 seconds. Now, is that a big deal over the short term? No. But when you put that into an actual longer race, that five seconds per uh, interval, you put five of those different intervals on there, you have 25 seconds, which is a big deal in any kind of race, let alone, uh, you know, when you in those small increments. So to put it into, you know, kind of real-world things like you were just saying there, it all just kind of depends on what you're going to call significant or marginal, whereas in science terms, it might not be significant. In real-world applications, you can cut 20 seconds off of a any race distance. That's pretty significant. Yeah, I, w I would tend to agree with that statement as well, um, especially depending on the study design. You know, the um, the person who's running the study, the evaluator. You know, they're more or less determining where they would place that significance. So it, it's really at their discretion. So sometimes, like you're saying, you really have to be you know, an educated consumer when looking at these studies and really read in depth to the the methods and the results and how they got that conclusion and things of the sort because five seconds, you know, across 100 meters for rowing, for example, that can be a huge deal. And and DHEA may potentially increase NO production. Like, you know, the studies are unreliable in that area, but, you know, it may contribute to that. And if you're a professional athlete with a whole lot of resources, a whole lot of money, a whole lot of sponsors, and you might have a little bit more access to some of these things, um, you know, the, I guess you could say, the odds of taking a banned substance might increase substantially from that gap, from that, you know, that competitive amateur to your professional. Right on. 
Good input. So one of the things people were commenting on in the Facebook threads was essentially pointing fingers at the supplement industry, being like, oh, so unregulated and blah, blah, blah. So let's talk about the supplement industry just for a second. So uh, I guess kind of just, just open it up. You know, Give me some general thoughts on the supplement industry, either one of you. <laughs> okay. I will pitch in on this just because I will admit a lot of my master's thesis was involving nutritional supplements, so I had to read pretty, you know, in-depth regarding the FDA, and I will tell you firsthand, the FDA does not really want to throw its hat in the ring of nutritional supplements. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they offer no pre-certification, whether that's for health, purity, quality, safety, before something enters the market. They're like, man, whatever, Wait, you know, this is kind of like, it's like when you have to babysit, like, your four-year-old cousin. Like, you, you have to, but you don't necessarily want to. That's the way I've kind of interpreted it in the past. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of contributors to that. But anyhow, so, like, everyone always says, oh, well, you know, like, unless you get something that's third-party tested, you're going to consume something that might be contaminated with a banned substance. Like, yeah, there's always that possibility, but the odds are if you do can assume something that might be, you know, contaminated with a banned substance, the amount of it will be so marginal. It's not going to cause you to test positive on these, you know, on these drug screenings, to be honest. So now the, so the, I guess my follow-up question, right, is could you, all right, so we're talking about contaminated substances. Let's, let's be clear, first of all, the bottle he took said DHEA. <laughs> it contained DHEA. DHEA is on the banned substance list, right? So th- we're not talking about contaminated substances. Um, he took what, it, what the bottle said contained. That's exactly what was in there, right? So in this instance, you cannot point fingers at the supplement industry. Like th- they told you what they were selling you. You bought it. You consumed it, period. Everyone agree? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Now, for those of you, you know, who may not look at everything you consume from GNC, right? You should look at the labels. They will tell you what's in there. So, DHEA is sometimes uh, written as 7-keto DHEA. And it's typically found in things like testosterone boosters, uh, fat burners, and pre-workouts. Right, so those are the kind of the three. If you're taking supplements from GNC or from another, you know, vitamin shop or whatever, those are the three big ones you really want to be watch out for. Now, there's a website I like to go to called Aegis Shield, A E G I S Shield, S H I E L D, right? Um, and what they do is they, you can essentially it's like a two dollar fee, like you pay them two dollars, and it's supposed to give you a year membership. I paid like four years ago. They haven't kicked me off the site yet, so. <laughs> just pay the t- just yeah, pay will. the two dollars. You'll be all right. And you can submit a sub. You can submit any supplement. Um, if it's not listed on the site, you submit it, and they get back to you in like twenty four hours, and they tell you if any of the substances listed on the label are in the banned list. Now that won't stop you from like like Luke was saying taking a contaminated substance. But however, taking a contaminated substance, you're still unlikely to you know essentially piss hot. But it will stop you from taking something and then being like, well, I didn't know that was on the label list. Um, and in this case, the entire label list was all banned, right? Like we said earlier. 
Right. Anyone have any uh, follow-ups to uh, that? No, I, I feel kind of insensitive laughing, but, like, it's pretty straightforward sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, kind of like you were saying. It, th- in this case, if people are <laughs> trying to argue that, like you said, it wasn't contaminated, if people are just wanting more regulation in the uh, supplement industry, that's more of a, you know, economic question, and then you get into free, you know, that's more of a political thing that people want to talk about there, but... You know, like I said, there are supplement companies out there who have their uh, supplements, like the one that I use, has their stuff tested by the FDA. They pay extra, say, hey, FDA, here's what we say is in it. Verify it. Don't verify it. That's there. So, and, you know, if there's a banned substance in there, you know that it's in there. Um, So, yeah, it's just one of those things that you take the personal responsibility, you know, practice your vowels, A-E-I-O-U, you know, make sure you, you recognize all of them in the label and then go from there. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's definitely, it's 2017. I think athletes who are going to be taking nutritional supplements should be a little bit more educated on what they're putting in their bodies, especially if you're more on that, you know, that semi-professional, that professional level. Um, You know, mistakes can be made. I'm not going to be, you know, that person that that chastises everybody. Like, mistakes are made. Um, but it's kind of like our responsibility now as consumers and as athletes, if we want to take something to improve our performance, we should know at least baseline, A, is this going to hurt me? And then B, is this legal? Like those are two questions you need to ask yourself first. And then I guess you could say, C, is this actually going to be beneficial for the cost I'm paying for it? Right. I agree, especially with the, you know, it's 2017. It's not like this is 1990 and we don't have the internet, right? Like every, everyone has internet, everyone has internet on their phone. You can download the Age of Shield app. You can go to their website. You can Google search things. I mean, WADA has a list on their website with all the banned substances, which is pretty long. It's kind of hard to look through, but you know, control F, look, and then you type in the name of the substance and it, you'll find it if it's on there, right? Um, and I will say, to Ryan's credit, he did own up to taking the substance, right? He didn't go, no, test the B sample, I'm innocent. He goes, you know, I, you're right, I did take that substance. You're right, it is banned. You know, essentially, after he was caught, he, you know, he, he admitted to the, the fault. So I do give him some credit there. Yeah, I think that does show some integrability. So I, I think he does have good character in that where he took responsibility of it. And by no means, if I, like, giggle or laugh here and there, I'm not demeaning him in any circumstance. I just think, you know, some of the banter's a little little funny. Like, like I don't know where some of these arguments on Facebook comes from. I'm just sitting here, like, shaking my head, like, why is this even coming up? Like, this yeah. is so irrelevant. Yeah, I saw in one of the threads, one of the guys is like, well, how are you even supposed to know what's a banned substance? And it's like, why do puts out a list every year? Like, is, that goes back to the whole internet is like, argument. Are, is that a serious question? I don't, you know, it's like, you know, just like when we show up to a race, it's our responsibility to read the rules ahead of time. You know, it's also your responsibility to know what you're putting into your body. All right, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about punishments. So the punishment he ended up getting or re- received, uh, as of the latest information, is. A one-year ban from, you know, OCR World Championships and their associated races. So that includes North American OCR Championships, 
the 3K, 15K, and team. And it also includes Enduro 2-4 in Australia. Uh, so he forfeited. He, his results are now essentially stricken from the record. Uh, he had to give back prize money, or I don't think he actually received it yet. So basically lost prize money. His team was disqualified from <coughs> their pro uh, first place finish. So let's kind of run down the list. In your opinion, what should the punishment be for taking a banned substance? And, you know, is the is, is there variation there, right? So if, if I'm knowingly taking EPO versus I'm accidentally taking DHEA or, you know, I'm, ta- I'm injecting myself with testosterone or something like that. Um, so what are your opinions on punishments? Jared, you go first. Um, yeah. Um, I think... This is fair, as uh, with this being you know, obviously a benchmark uh, case. It's the first time it's happened, hence why we're doing this podcast about it. Um, I think it's fair. Um, if you look across other sporting uh, bodies, they have usually varying degrees of punishment. First time, here's your slap on the wrist. Second time, okay, here's a little bit worse. Third time, you know, until you get all the way up to a rod and who should have been kicked out rather than just get a, a one-year ban. But um, that's my opinion, obviously. Um, but uh, I think this is – I think it's fair. You know, a one-year ban from essentially only three races. You're obviously – since you got caught cheating in the one, whether it's on purpose or not, um, you get caught cheating for the one event, You obviously you're going to have to forfeit your results for that event. So I think this is fair, and I'm curious as to see how other – uh, big names in the industry and sport will go from here. Luke, I would tend to agree with that. I definitely think that's that's a fair conclusion, and I hate to say it. Uh, I think an example needs to be made, especially if you know our community of obstacle racers. If we want to see our sport progress in the future, like I know everyone's talking about making it potentially an Olympic sport one day. Like, we, I think we kind of need a case like this to set a benchmark, like Jared was saying. Um, I think one year is very fair. Like, hey, yeah, you get off a few races, but, you know, maybe you could still race in other Series A and B. You know, a year off of strict racing can do your health a pretty good amount of benefit as well as, you know, you can provide areas of training and, you know, areas that you might be weak. So, you know, if you have to work on your strength, work on your strength. So, like, you can view this, you know, with a glass half empty or glass half full. I think a year's fair, and if he does get that year off, he can do a whole lot with it to help his future in the sport. Right on. Good input. I – I'm going to – let's see how I phrase this. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty harsh, right? I – I, I, I hold a lot of, for personal accountability. Do I think a year a year is the bare bare minimum in my opinion? I personally, if I was in charge, I would have gone longer. Um, and like you like you said, Luke. Unfortunately, I do think you need to set the you need to set the tone early and you need to set an example. You know, cycling plagued with doping, right? Just plagued with it and i would say most professional sports are plagued with doping um ultra running Mm -hmm. i think they've done a pretty good job of keeping it out as best they can and i think a lot of that has to do with the culture that surrounds it i think it also has to do with you know this 
the same type of person who's willing to go run for seven hours, like, you know, there's something wrong with that person. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> if, if you're willing to do that much work, you know, you may not, you know, you're not, you may not be interested in taking shortcuts. Uh, it's kind of, I guess that's kind of where I'm going with that. But we'll kind of get to some more of my opinions on, like, what punishment should be later. I will say a lot of the people, especially on Facebook, uh, again, going back to this, <clears throat> who think it's unfair, I'll say that I don't think those people are putting in as much time, right? Like, my life revolves around training and racing, right? Like, it's, it's, it's borderline preposterous. It's probably unhealthy. Let's just be honest with ourselves for a second, right? So... I'm putting in so much time. So when I see cheating, whether it's course cutting or not doing the sandbag carry or taking a banned substance, whatever it may be, it eats me up. Like I hate it. I hate it because I know I put I left it all out there. So, you know, seeing people cut corners um, really bothers me. And as a lifetime drug-free athlete, it also bothers me. I used to do natural bodybuilding. I competed in a division called um, Drug-Free Athletes Coalition. And what was interesting about them was you could actually take DHEA. On the band side, it said, you know, like, we abide by all WADA standards except DHEA. Like, you can take that. So I, when I was going, when I was competing, I had to make a decision. All right, do I take DHEA and essentially be more competitive as a natural bodybuilder? But then on the flip side, I'm now, you know, essentially contaminating myself or in my opinion, I've, I've skewed all my results from that point forward. Like I knew I was going to go back to running at some point, and so I ended up not taking it because I did not want, you know, to be like, all right, well, well, here's my running results. Asterix, I took some banned substances last year. Blah blah blah. Um, even yeah. though it was allowed by natural bodybuilding. So, and I've also lost to. Na- I've been at natural bodybuilding shows where like the guy next to me is like clearly on steroids. You know, like <laughs> just enormous, like ridiculous delts, like enormous traps. Um, you know, if you, one, when you take anabolic substances, like your traps and deltoids, that's like, those are prime receptors, right? So people typically have very enlarged, uh, traps and delts. So that's one of the signs, you know, like the guy next to me had gynecomastia. So, you know, fat (laughs) deposits around the boobs, which again, you can get from other situations, but you know, probably if you're at a bodybuilding stage, I feel like you probably were taking something just, just my two cents probability. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> like we said, <clears throat> he's banned from those th- those three races or race series, right? So if you were Tough Mudder headquarters, uh, Ryan Woods' team just came in first in the team relay. What would you do, Jared? With do you Tough Mudder does not have a doping policy, correct? In the rules, they say you're, we abide by WADA standards, but they don't. They have not actually drug tested anyone at, at any of their events that I'm tracking. Then, you know, at that at that point, if you don't, if you say you're doing it, but you're not following up, you missed the boat. Like you can't go back and go off somebody else's data. Just like in, you know, come uh, come from other part of my background. You know, at this point, yes, it was tested in a specific lab, but if you're going off, like, similar to police protocol, you can't go off of somebody else's report or what somebody else is saying. You have to go get the evidence yourself, test it, and whatever. Because by that point, like he said, he he took it all weekend or whatever. Let's say he just bought the one bottle because he forgot how to read that that weekend 
before the race, and then before World's Toughest Motor, he's doing, you know, back on his just regular fish oil. Hard to believe, but, you know, they don't, if, if you don't get the evidence, you can't prove it. But he admitted to taking it as of October, whatever, 11th, essentially one month before World's Toughest Motor. He admits right. taking a banned substance. So there's your evidence. Did he, did he piss hot forward after the race, after uh, World's Toughest Mudder? They didn't test him after World's Toughest Mudder. That's what I'm saying. But he he's because publicly admitted to taking DHEA as of, you know, um, right. as of the press release I, this morning, going which right. he took it on October, whatever, 11th. Right. I think it's a very sticky situation for World's Toughest Mudder. That, that's where you have to follow through with what your policies say. If you say you're going to abide by WADA standards, you need to test by WADA standards, not just say, ah, we'll abide by them, but not really test about it. <laughs> because now, just like just like a, just like the argument or discussion we just got in, yes, he admitted to it, but your your company didn't test for standards, which is this is where you can get into the argument of why a governing body would be helpful, because essentially this is all just private companies uh, hosting these events, posting up this prize money, all that sort of stuff. So it becomes down to a corporate decision as to how they want to move forward. And if you go off of uh, what ORM's podcast was saying earlier today, you know, he was uh, obviously a friend of Ryan's, but saying, you know, that'd be a, a weasel move on the, the parts of these other corporations, like, because, you know, they've haven't, they haven't caught all these other cheaters. Well, okay, because we haven't, now we have empirical proof. Was it this same company who did it? No, but he admitted to it a month earlier, yada, so it's, it's it's tough. I'm not real sure how those companies are going to move. I so, personally yeah, so would. If Jared is head of TMHQ. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, assuming there's no milk thistle in his house to clean out his kidneys and liver, uh, <laughs> order order an immediate test and then use the other one against him and uh, just kind of go. I, I honestly don't know. I, half of me wants to say. It's now been forfeit. The other half says it's from a different. T- it's you know from a different race, a different test. And he admitted taking it a month ago. He didn't admit it to taking it through World's Toughest Mudder. So it's I, I don't know. I'm split. I I want to cancel it, but at the same time I don't. Luke, what do you what are your thoughts? Oh, ethics. Uh, <laughs> oh Lord. Well. I can see both sides of the argument, and that's what makes me frustrated because, like Jared was saying, they did not run, you know, a, a test on him immediately enough. So who knows if he would, you know, piss positive or not at this point. Um, he did admit to using it, and he has taken responsibility for it. Um, honestly, like, if, if I was inside of Ryan's situation... Like, like I said, I'm kind of a glass half full kind of person. Like, if Tough Mudder kind of piggybacked on this, was like, hey, like we we would really like you not to compete competitively next year for this reason. I think that should be a dialogue behind closed doors. I think that should be a meeting um, of Tough Mudder execs and you know potentially with Ryan following that, like sharing thoughts, sharing feelings. Um, like, if, if something ever happened to me and they were like, hey, you have to take a season off, like, I've been injured, I've been out a season, so, like, you know, one year is very small in the grand scheme of things, and like I said, I hate to say it, but I think there has to be some sort of unity 
between obstacle racing to set an example, to set a standard, what's expecting, what's not being expected. Um, like an athlete is coming forward and saying they're using it. I think, you know, that's that's basically irrefutable proof that, hey, like they, they are doing a banned substance. There needs to be some action taken towards it. And I think, um, like Matt Davis was saying earlier today, like I think he used the term, like, that would be chicken shit of Tough Mudder. <laughs> when they know that there's other cheating going on. I agree, and I hate to make an example of, you know, of supposedly, you know, such a, a great human being, someone of such great character that everyone likes. Like, I would hate to make an example of that individual, but, you know, like, you're caught red-handed, and, you know, you're in a situation where you did podium. I, I, think, I think it definitely becomes a, a very serious ethical issue that is... Above my pay grade, <laughs> this is why I never wanted to get in the management right now. But um, basically, in summary, I think that if they decided to kind of, hey, he did not you know, abide by the WADA protocol, we don't know how long he was taking this, this might be the best to, of course, not allow him to participate competitively next year. I think there are definitely worse things in the sport because one year is not very long. So I'll give you my opinion. You guys make me seem like I'm heartless. I would strip them of first prize. You took a banned substance within a month of competition. You admitted to it. While I appreciate your honesty and respect you for having that character, bottom line is you know, you had a competitive advantage over the other guys. Disqualified. You forfeit prize money. Remove that team from placement. It's the way it is. Sorry, guys. I don't think that necessarily makes you heartless. Um, you know, in, in my line of work, I'm quite empathetic. I guess, like, I'm trained to see both sides of the argument, so that kind of works against me. But, you know, like, I, it, it, I cannot argue with your logic. I'll put it that way. And if someone comes into a situation logically, they're like, hey, he has a good point. Like, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. Like, that that's what it is. It is what it is. So, in... In my line of work um, in the military, we go through some training courses where, you know, you're put in ethical situations or, you know, if, you, if you're caught cheating or breaking the rules during some of these training events, you're straight up dropped from the course, right? There's like, there's no second chances, not like, oh, well, maybe you didn't understand. So I think part of that, that's where I kind of get that little bit of black and whiteness from, right? Like, there are dudes who do something stupid at a course and they get dropped from the course, and it says on their, like, essentially their, their slip that kicks them out, it says, not, do not return, period. Like, you had your chance, you, you, you broke that chance, tough shit, move along the line. So, um, well, and yeah, go ahead. Kind of going, going back to just the difference in the pills, I think, you know, if we've taken to the fact, you know, if, if you listen to uh, Ryan's interview, hearing it from him, you know, he'd, whether you believe it or not, he sounds sounds genuinely sorry, all this sort of stuff, and you want to believe the guy based on, you know, we all know him as, and I, I've never met him, but, you know, genuinely good guy, all that sort of stuff. But then when you look at, you know, knowingly took this different pill over the other one, like, okay, then, you know, taking the personal aspect out of it, it's a little bit easier for, for me personally to go, yeah, probably ban him. Um, I would definitely... You know, thinking a little bit more about it, I would say, based off his admission, uh, Tough Mudder HQ can 
would, you know, kind of like Luke said, behind closed doors, ask him not to compete next year. But being as how they didn't test at this one, uh, I'm still kind of on the fence of whether they should strip him of the uh, win or not. Okay, so next question. So you're on Miguel Medina's team with, you know, Austin Azar and Chris Mendoza. And why am I forgetting the fourth person? Oh, my God. That's embarrassing. Is that Mark Jones' team? No, Mark Jones' I do not know. Okay. I'm forgetting someone. I apologize. Chad Trammell. I think Chad Trammell's on their team. I'm I'm getting my teams mixed up. Anyway, you're on the second-place team. Do you complain to Tough Mudder headquarters? Is this the... I know that there was a shuffling of prize money. Was this for the international team or just the the team in general? National team relay. So they, okay, so, so there was money. Yeah, Ryan Woods was on the first place team. Uh, I think they got uh, $10,000. I'm not sure. And then second place maybe got 5000 I gotta I got to go look it up. But So you're in the second place team. Do you complain to Tough Mudder headquarters? Jared. Mm-hmm. Oh, why do I have to go first? Um, <laughs> oh, this sucks. <laughs> I. It depends. How much of the bad guy do you want to look like? You know, if do you want to do you? If you're on that team now, Evan, I know how you're going to answer. Um, <laughs> but what? But <laughs> um, you know, how much of a, you know how much of a prick do you want to, do you want to look like? Do you want to go? Hey, he cheated. He cheated in the last world world championship event. Probably did it again. Yes. Uh, strip him or at least test the B sample, do whatever. Um, would I? Arguably, yes. Because kind of like you said, um, if I'm if I'm working on that level where I'm in contention for a world championship and dude pisses hot for banned substance at the previous event, I'm going to be pretty upset about it if the uh, event I, also, I just took second at and he beat me on if they didn't do anything about it. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, contact headquarters and, you know, quietly. I'm not going to call them out on social and say, hey, what are you going to do about this? But, you know, find some find some inside channel and ask them to handle this situation uh, quickly. Luke, what do you think? Mm. Well, I'm not going to lie. If I was on the second-place team and getting to that first-place team meant I doubled my paycheck from that, and (laughs) the suspicion was confirmed that the team in front of me had uh, an athlete that had, as Jared put, his top for a controlled substance, I would probably be pretty upset. I think, I hate to say it, but I think this is good that it happened over the time of a holiday, so it kind of gives people time to take a step back and cool off and really collect their thoughts. But I would probably approach Tough Mudder HQ, I guess you would say, um, very, like, non-confrontational, just be like, hey, I'm aware this is happening. Um, I'm unsure of your decision on this. I would just like to be kept in the loop on what happens. And, you know, if you would like to hear my opinion, I would be more than willing to provide it. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good answer, Luke. That, that's the answer I would give... A week later, after I'd calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> so my answer, obviously, is I would I would contact them and I would ask for a decision, uh, just like Luke said. You know, I think the, that uh, political tone is is good. And I would also, you know, give a little bit of my opinion. You know, hey, admitted testing positive. 
you know, I think you should disqualify the team. It's obviously, the choice is theirs, though, um, from that point forward. So, again, moving forward, let's talk about how we prevent stuff like this. So, let's assume it was truly accidental. So, how do you prevent accidents from taking, accidentally taking a banned substance? Uh, Luke, why don't you take it? That's a great question. So, um, coming back to, like, full circle, like I was saying earlier, like, it's 2017, I think, as athletes and just as as a community in general, we need to understand what we can and cannot have our, in our bodies. We need to be educated consumers. Um, and I do think that race companies do have to put forth more effort in showing that they're, you know, they're upholding WADA standards and potentially even sharing some knowledge on some popular, I guess you could say, banned substances that would be prevalent in the sport. I think that is one way that we can potentially, you know, just improve it. And that's kind of like a nutrition thing. Like, hey, if something's wrong and increase the general knowledge about it, like pull it out of the closet, pull it out from under the bed and, and bring it to light and that, make sure people understand why they shouldn't be taking it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that companies need to do is, A, like if you're going to claim it, back it up, like have drug testing at your sites. I know there's prices associated with that. I know it can be expensive, but if you're Tough Mudder HQ or Spartan Race, you probably have some extra cash laying in, you know, in the back of your pocket where you can spend on drug testing at, you know, these, these elite events. So I guess just bringing more knowledge and making sure that the companies are actually backing up and doing what they're saying they're going to do. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, education is the primary way to prevent accidental taking of banned substances. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, that website, Age of Shield, A-E-G-I-S-S-H-I-E-L-D, right, is a good resource. Again, but that's not testing the actual substance. It's just testing what's on. It's just checking the label against the banned substance list. Um, in this case, you know, if he took his bottle and checked it on the website, like I said, it would come up as banned, right? Because 100% of the contents were banned, period. Uh, moving, all right, Jared, question for you. So how do we prevent stuff like this if it's purposeful? And this is a, this is a very hard question. If it's purposeful? Yeah, so he, let's say he, he, took, he went to the, he's like, all right, I know DHEA is an over-the-counter, essentially, steroid. Uh, I'm going to take it because it's going to give me, you know, slight gains and then multiply that over years. Right. Boom, I'm going to be a better athlete. I'm going to get bigger prize money, more recognition, more sponsors, et cetera. Yeah. I don't know. Just looking at other sports and where doping has been a problem, I don't know if you can prevent intentional or purposeful cheating, um, whether it's doping, whether it's course cutting, whatever. There's Unless you have, you know, 24-7, 365 coverage across the board, um, you know, if someone's going to take a banned substance at home, they're going to take a banned substance at home. It's, you know, obviously coming down with harsh penalties uh, on the, on those individuals will help, will hopefully help deter uh, people from doing it in the future. But, you know, look at, you know, i use this example again, look at baseball. A-Rod, one of the biggest names in the in this industry at the time, got banned for a year. Baseball still has doping problems. You know, look at cycling. Cycling, you know, an entire generation of uh, competitors was, ban- what, you know, essentially doping. 
a- any big name who won anything got caught or admitted to it. Cycling still has doping problems. That you know, it might not be the same, but there's still cycling is you know just riddled with it. It's become part of the culture. So I think it's just means with this being a uh, a new case, I think it helps there that hey, look, first person we found, first person's being punished. Uh, it's being handled as well as it can be within you know one the private company uh, that found it without having a governing body. Um, so I think it's just that it's got to be as it's a reactive industry anyway, or I don't want to say industry, but a reactive process anyway. So as long as you, those companies can react quickly and fairly, and, you know, to Evan's, uh, if it's Evan's head his way, uh, quickly and, you know, decisively, <laughs> um, it would be, you know, that's going to be about the best we can do because I don't think you can prevent someone's free will from cheating. Cheaters are going to do their thing. I think you said a lot of good things I'm going to touch on in a second there. And even, you know, even when you have a lot of coverage, it is still there's still ways to get around it, right? Lance Armstrong was doing something most called, tested. Yeah, most tested <laughs> athlete in the world passed essentially every drug test. They they went back and like found a frozen sample from like 1999 and he tested positive for EPO like but they had to like go back in time. They went back like 8 years. They <laughs> something insane, right? Um, yeah, they use new technology to test an old sample. Exactly. Um, he also, you know, cycling has a biological passport. So essentially they, they test you and they keep track of, like, where your, uh, where your levels are at, right? So they'll, they'll recognize changes in it. Um, you know, and a lot of people go, well, you know, how is Lance Armstrong getting away with cheating? And if, there's a lot of great books out there. Uh, Tyler Hamilton's book is, I think, my, my favorite one. It's called The Secret Race. And he explains it's called microdosing, right? So, at the you know the drug testers don't come between like 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. Right? So Lance and his team would take small amounts of testosterone in the evening, and then so they would be you know essentially you'd be able to, if you if you test them, they would be you know testing positive between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. But then by the time 8 a.m. rolls around, they're back to like what would consider like high normal levels, right? So they're they're constant, like while everyone else's testosterone levels are fluctuating throughout the day, theirs are like, theirs are like always near the like the, the peak quote unquote normal limit, right? Um, allowing them to recover faster, which allows them to train harder, which allows them to train more, which in the long term, again, marginal gains over multiplied over years gives them a benefit. Uh, that was the same thing that that was the same thing A Rod was doing was taking just these micro doses that by the end of the game he'll be back down to normal levels. Yeah. I also think, on a, on a side note, I think the NFL and Major League Baseball don't really care about drugs, <laughs> right? Like the the NFL banned HGH in I think it was it was 2014. In 2014, are you kidding me? <laughs> Bodybuilders have been taking HGH since like 1990. At I mean, that's the one. That's when you can visibly see it, right? You go from if you look at oh, Mr. Olympia champions. You know, Lee Haney can still do the vacuum pose, and he still looks big and cut. And then you get to Dorian Yates, and he looks like a fucking refrigerator with veins <laughs> on him, right? <laughs> right, HGH has been around and used in athletic circles since 1990, and it took the NFL 24 years to ban it. Are you kidding me? All right, I get, I get sidetracked. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about one more thing. So kind of answering that, how do you stop purposeful doping? 
There's an article called Michael um, called The Doping Dilemma by Michael Shermer. Uh, it's from Scientific American Journal in April 2008. And he proposed the following steps to get rid of uh, doping in sports. He uses cycling as a specific example because that's kind of the hot topic. But he has like essentially five rules that he, he recommends they input. The first one is grant immunity to past athletes in exchange for total honesty. The second one is... Increase the number of comp- competitors tested, right? Includes off-season, on-season, establishing a biological passport, right? That that's that one's expensive and, you know, requires it requires money and time, right? And a governing body. A governing body, yeah. Uh, three, um, officers offer, offer rewards to scientists to develop new tests in attempt to stay ahead of drug takers. Again, that one requires money. Part of the problem with catching dopers, right, is there's this, always this aggressive – you know, push on the scientific side to get to get better, and then mm. the the people mm. who are trying to catch them are in reactive mode all the time. Mm. And the uh, four, and this is this is where we're we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Four <laughs> is lifetime bans for failure of any test and first forcible return of lifetime winnings. So mm. you fail one test, you're done. It's over, right? And like Jared said. Harsh punishments will make people think twice about taking a banned substance. Am I for lifetime bans? Mm. <laughs> Say it. Say it. <laughs> I'm in more in favor of them than I am against them. I will say, <laughs> I'll say it. It does. It is circumstance dependent. But in general, I think lifetime or five year bans are a good a good place, right? Like five years, you're essentially pushing someone out of their Whatever window they're in, like you're pushing them to a different competitive window. You know, if you're 35, that pushes you into master's category. You know, you're out of competition for multiple years. Um, five was disqualify all team members for that specific event if one person fails that on their team fails. So essentially that creates internal pressure from your peers. Um, doesn't work as well in OCR because we only come together as teams occasionally. Um, but... As you can see, they actually followed through with number five for um, OCR World Championships. <laughs> I would add two things to that. Uh, one of them is a pledge, right? So I think if athletes visibly, you know, post on social media and openly say, you know, I am like, I'm, you know, drug free, it creates that, it starts to create that culture. It creates that culture change that can help prevent uh, cheating in the future. And then the seventh one we kind of talked about already, which is education, right? You can't not take a banned substance if you don't know what the banned substances are and what uh, supplements contain banned substances. So that's kind of my opinion. Um, I, I actually like a lot of those suggestions. Uh, I think the ones that don't cost money are excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, lifetime ban, like I said, I'm more in favor it than I am against it. <laughs> Right, because so the the big the argument against lifetime ban is like, well, what about second chances? That's one I always get. People always tell me when I when I discuss <laughs> this, right? They go, well, what about a second chance? So, someone who's doping didn't cheat at one event, right? They cheated at all the events while they were taking that banned substance, and possibly beyond, right? The, mm-hmm. So, Luke, what's your opinion on you know someone taking steroids? And obviously, like some of the effects go away, right? Like. You'll, you'll have an immediate decrease in muscle size when you stop taking steroids. But do you think there's long-term benefits? Like if I took steroids 10 years ago and was you know very aggressive with my weight training and, fit and uh, cardio training, 
would I still see benefits, you know, five years down the line or something like that? 100% yes, because you could still retain a lot of those strength and muscle gains that you got during those times on banned substances. Jared, your opinion? Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, whereas you're going to lose muscle size, it's very hard to lose strength exponentially. Like, you're going to lose some strength from the steroids, but it's just, like, look at sprinters that have, in the Olympics, that have tested uh, hot for, for steroids. Which is almost all of them. Yeah, almost all of them. They'll go away for their for their ban time. They come back right back on top of the game. So it's almost for them, I would argue, a calculated risk. Like, okay, do we take it and get caught, get banned for three years, but then I'm still going to come back and still be really fast? Or, you know, or just stay almost on the podium or almost in the finals my entire my entire career? But no, I did it clean. So, um, yeah, like Luke said, you're still going to get those uh, those benefits down the line. It might not look, it might not be as aesthetically pleasing for whatever the goal was, but you're still going to have those strength changes. You're still going to have those cardio changes. Those are, they're still going to be there. I also agree with that, those, both those statements. I'm also waiting for Usain Bolt to test positive. So <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> we, that's another topic, and I can get into a whole podcast on that. Um, I'll just say you don't beat a field of other drugged athletes while clean at the at the very pinnacle of a sport i'll just i'll just leave it at that and you can look at the 100 meter sprint line of all the athletes that have tested positive and it, it does not look good right and when you're when you're winning and you have time to turn sideways and look at the crowd while setting a world record like i don't know it's, it's then, a little, fi- it's a little fishy then, to me and never repeat that performance ever again yeah all right yeah. i think i'm gonna Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, go for it, Luke. I was about to say, like, to be completely honest, especially obstacle racing where it's at, like, if you think that some of these things, you know, as a member of the community, if someone's thinking that, hey, like, this isn't a big deal, no one's doing this, no one's using controlled substances or this and that, like, I would really invite you to take a deeper look into competitive sports, especially right now we don't have very strong rules or regulation with it. There's going to be a fair deal of athletes that slip through the cracks and, you know, are collecting some podiums and collecting some prizes and some fame from it. You know, like, no one's going to come out and admit it, but I'm sure there are individuals out there who are doing some pretty questionable things. Yeah, probability... I believe in facts and probability, and probability tells me that not everyone's clean, right? Like, it's it's, it's impossible. <laughs> it's just not going to pan out. I mean, the argument, one of the arguments you always get is, well, you know, it's not economical, right? Like, you're, it's costing more to get the banned substances than it is for the payout. And my counter-argument to that is go to Gold's Gym, right? <laughs> like, the dudes at Gold's Gym were huge – clearly on steroids with no monetary payout, right? Like some of those dudes weren't even competitive bodybuilders. They're just taking steroids because they like the way it makes them feel and look. So if you think it's a sure like monetary equation, I would uh, argue it's not. Yeah. They'd get in the locker room for 350. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, Last... I think last question. I had one more that I was going to ask. 
Um, so let's go, let's kind of bring it back around full circle. Um, so do you think, let's, let's just be, let's just be straight up. Let's be honest here. Do you think it was accidental? We're talking Ryan Woods here. Uh, who wants to go first? I thought I was going first. So I'll do it again. Um, I want to say it was accidental, but I, I don't. I don't think, just going back to the difference in the pills, I don't think past, you know, even if you want, even if you want to believe that um, he just, you know, overlooked the E in the middle, as soon as you open that bottle, you know there's a difference. And you're going to look at the bottle, find out what the, you know, why is there an E in there, look it up, and, you know, go from there. I, I, so as much as I do, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but I don't think you can say it was purely accidental. Okay. Luke? Mmm, ethics. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, well, I... Jeez. Like, and this is one thing, like, I do not know him as a person. I've heard a lot about his character, so, you know, I... As everyone's claiming this is something that someone would not do, whether, you know, I think when it comes down to it, we'll never know whether it was intentional or not, but kind of going off of what Jared said, I would, and this is bad because I have two degrees in nutrition, but I would know that if I accidentally picked up the wrong bottle of a supplement that I had been taking previously, I'm like, hey, this looks different, this smells funny, this has another, you know, letter inside the name, I think I would catch on pretty quick. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, I'll say, so, right, like, I, I've talked to Ryan before. You know, he's got a very good reputation in OCR. Um, so the gut, like, my gut instinct is, like, I don't want to believe it's true because it kind of shakes the foundation of everything you believe, right? If if this great guy who, you know, everyone likes and, you know, everyone's favorite underdog is is taking bad substances – then that makes me question like everything, right? Like, well, how do I know anyone's clean at this point? You know, it, it, I think that's, what's kind of scary. And that's why one of the reasons people don't want to believe it's true, right? Because if, if the guy who everyone likes is taking banned substance, then the guy who no one likes is probably taking banned substance. And then the, <laughs> the guy who's beating the guy who's taking, you know, right? Like it creates this like ripple, ripple of, um, you know, people who are using banned substances. Um, that being said, do I think it was accidental? Um, unfortunately, no. I do not think it was accidental. And um, I think that based off of the the evidence, you know, like we talked about with the different color pills, uh, Ryan Woods uh, was an NCAA athlete. So uh, maybe, Jack, Luke, you can talk a little bit more about that on, you know, what kind of education they receive on banned substances. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Would go for it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. Ch- ch- chime in real quick. Well, I will definitely say, at least at the Division One university that I work at with the athletes, the athletic trainers are pretty, they're pretty upfront with what they will and will not tolerate. You know, athletes go through seminars on, you know, just on water protocol and NCAA, you know, restrictions and things like that and that's one thing when I do talk to my athletes as well I always bring up are you taking any nutritional supplements has anyone 
ever recommended nutritional supplements to you, you know, these are the ones that you should be taking. If you are in certain sports, it would be advantage of taking. These are the ones you should not be taking. So um, I cannot say how the, you know, NCAA athletics looked like when he was participating, but I can say now that if you are an NCAA athlete and you have not came across WADA or NCAA regulations on supplements at one point, then something has gone terribly wrong, and you should probably let someone know about that as soon as possible. So if you haven't listened to uh, Matt Davis's podcast, make sure you head over and listen to it. I was happy that uh, he got on air. Unfortunately, when I was listening to it, it only made me think that it wasn't accidental because as he goes through his list of supplements, his knowledge on the other supplements seems real strong, and then you get to this one, and it's like, oh, I grabbed the wrong bottle, and it's like, uh, oh, I wish you had a better explanation. I really well, And on that, he mentions taking other omega-3s, so I'm like, say you're already taking omega-3s, why are you grabbing an extra omega-3 on top of that? And like kind of like uh, Luke had mentioned earlier, DHAs without EPAs are, now we're getting into uh, Wheel of Fortune letters, but, you know, uh, if, if you're, no, why are you going to take one without the other? Their benefits aren't necessarily there, so. Exactly. All right, well, I think we had a pretty good discussion. I don't feel like we were... It was a witch hunt. Um, I'm sure they'll get, I'll get some nasty emails or uh, text messages for it. But I mean, <laughs> I think like we discussed at the beginning, you know, and at the end, education is important, right? So if if we just ignore it and don't talk about it and don't talk about the differences and the consequences and you know how it how that how it affects things, you know, since you were doomed to repeat it, right? So you know, fast forward a couple of months and someone does the same thing, you know, and then we're we just gonna be like, all right. No, so my two cents. Anyone uh, have any kind of closing thoughts, uh, Jared? Nope. Think we've think I've covered everything so far. Luke. Yeah, I, as much as I hate to say it, I think this is a very ugly spot of the sport that I think needed coverage in some sort, and I hate to hear that it happened to someone with such a great reputation as Ryan Woods. Um, but I think this is a, a necessity for the sport to move forward. Right on. Well, guys, thanks for your input. That's going to be it for the Strength and Speed podcast, kind of ending it on a depressing note. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's the way it is. Glad we got to talk about this. Hopefully uh, we educated some of the listeners. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next week. 